Good morning. It is so good to have you with us this morning. Would you join us, stand with us and join us as we begin our service this morning singing, Blessed Be Your Name. Sing with us. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to Closes in, Lord, still I will say, Blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your name, blessed be the name of the Lord, blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name. Sun shining down on me when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. seated. Well, welcome here this morning. Glad that you're with us today as we come into this place to worship together. Excited for the events of this day and what we have going on 
and uh, a lot of things happening through the course of it, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. One, just to make sure that you're aware of, especially is that we're excited to have some that are being baptized, and that'll be during uh, the fellowship time. Uh, we'll be cutting that a little bit short, trying to get you out of here a little bit even early, and that's really more on me. So pray for me, and you listen fast, and I'll try to talk faster, all right? Uh, but uh, we're looking forward to all that's going on. Uh, we've got several that we're praying for, and there are many that are in our hearts and minds as uh, we go through the course. We've had uh, those that uh, uh, of our loved ones who have experienced loved ones passing, and uh, Linda Redding's mother passed away uh, just late this week, and uh, I continue to pray for the Gramacki family, others who have experienced loss in this time of the year, and that's, that's hard, and uh, it's really an opportunity for us as a church to come around the people that we care for and to minister to them and to encourage them. So I hope that we'll take a moment to do that and be in prayer for them. And there's several there that uh, we have as part of our church family, Paul Shinnefield, uh, Don Struthers, Phyllis Pfizer, uh, these different ones that uh, are going through some different physical needs. And then there's those that we consistently pray for. And even though there's so many that could be added to that, uh, just be aware that there are names that are not mentioned uh, just for the sake of uh, keeping things Things more current, but uh, let's continue to pray one for another. One of the other aspects that we have the opportunity to pray for is our missionaries, and it's good to have Joel and Debbie Dix with us. Good to have Mary Beth here, and uh, we're going to ask Joel to come and uh, give an opportunity for us this morning to hear what God is doing in Hungary and uh, to have a moment just to get an update. And uh, they'll be here for just a few more days, and uh, and then heading back. And so, Joel, fill us in a little bit of what uh, is going on, and then allow us opportunity to know how to best pray for you this morning. Okay. Glad to. Glad to. Well, good morning, church. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for giving us just a, a brief moment this morning to share about um, an update about the ministry in Hungary. Uh, Debbie and I have the privilege of leading the Central Europe and Mediterranean region for ABWE, and we count it a joy to be able to do that. If you look at your watch right now, or look at that clock on the back wall right now, um, ironically, ironically, you'll see that it's 938. Um, and on my shirt right now, it says, pray with me at 938. And on the back is Matthew 938. Uh, there is an emphasis uh, within ABWE to, to pray that prayer every day, uh, either at 9.38 in the morning or in the evening, that the Lord of the Harvest would send more workers uh, into his fields. And that has always been uh, a request of ours. Every time we get a chance to present an update, um, and especially here, we ask you to pray for that, um, that we would get more workers, more teammates. We have way more opportunities than we have teammates uh, in most of our fields. Uh, last week while we were meeting uh, with a lot of the ABWE leadership and meetings, every morning at 9.38 you would hear these alarms going off and we would stop and we would pray for that. And so I wanted to share with you this morning, especially uh, a prayer of thanksgiving because we have seen that prayer answered, especially within our region uh, within the last year. Uh, we have six teams, six country teams that we help oversee and care for, and three of those teams uh, in the last year have had new full-time missionaries come to serve with them. And that's a huge encouragement to uh, teams that are already there, but we're, we're especially uh, grateful for that, so we're praising the Lord for that. Um, something else that we're, that we're praising the Lord for is we always ask for more opportunities. Uh, to share Christ, especially locally uh, in, the, in the town that we live in. 
And we're seeing that happen more and more also. Um, that kind of leads me into a couple of things that you can pray for uh, with us and about. And one of those is for a young lady named Gabriella. Uh, Debbie met Gabriella about a year ago. Uh, Gabriella basically said, I, I don't believe in God. I don't know what I believe, but I don't believe in God. And Debbie said, well, before you decide that, can, can we meet together? Can I share with you what, what the Bible has to say? And would you be open to that? She was very open to that. Long story short, Debbie has been spending the last year every week uh, meeting with Gabriella, going through the book of Luke, and Gabriella is so close to accepting Christ. So I'm going to ask if you would pray for that this morning at 9.38, if you would pray for Gabriella uh, to come to faith very, very soon. Um, as Adam mentioned, we're going to be traveling the next couple of weeks before heading back to Hungary on February 11th, um, so we'd appreciate your prayers for that. And just by way of a, a quick update, one of the teams that we have the privilege of, uh, of serving with is a, a team in Israel. And uh, since October 7th, that's been a challenging uh, situation for them, uh, for, for Debbie and I as leaders. Uh, but we're praising the Lord for new opportunities that they're seeing for ministry, even amidst uh, the chaos uh, in that part of the world right now. So we appreciate your prayers for them. Uh, lastly, I just want to thank you uh, for being a church that sends out missionaries, a church that supports missionaries, uh, a church that is <clears throat> a Matthew 938 church. Uh, that means the world to us, um, and I know it means so much to, to everyone that Grace supports as missionaries. I'd like for us to take a moment to pray together with them. Let's remember Gabriella. Let's remember the work that God is doing in this part of the world, and that God would protect our missionaries, that God would provide for them as they serve in places where we're not able to go, but we send them on our behalf. And uh, so let's remember them this morning. Father, we're grateful for the Dicks. We're grateful for the work that they're doing. And Lord, as they work with so many other missionaries in their roles as team leaders and regional leaders, I pray, God, that you'd give them strength, give them wisdom, give them the energy they need for these days. Lord, as we are reminded at this time, Lord, we are asking that, Lord, you would impress upon hearts and minds the urgency of the call, the necessity of reaching out into a world that is dark. And yet, Lord, the penetrating power of the light of the gospel can reach into so many hearts. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll help us as a church to be faithful in our endeavor to send. But, Lord, as individuals within our own church, may we be hearing and listening to that call, that urgency, Lord, asking, Lord, is it me that you're ready to send? And so, Lord, press upon our hearts, not only the burden for others, but, Lord, the, also the intimate burden of our own life and what our call is in this life. Thank you again for the dicks. Pray that you'll bless them, protect them, provide for them, give them safety as they travel. And, Lord, we appreciate the work that they're doing. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor and Joel. Would you stand with us again as we uh, continue singing and lifting praises to our Lord as we, do, as we sing together, Wor oh, worship the King.
I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. I will trust in you. Let me talking about trust this morning in faith. He's always there. Oh my God. He will not delay. My foes are many. My foes are many. They rise against me. But I will hold my ground. I will not fear the war. I will not fear the storm. My help is on the way. on the way. My help is on the way. Oh my God, He will not delay my refuge and strength always. I will not fear His promise is true. My God will come through always. promises in your word that you are always there and you are always faithful. We can trust you. I pray that you would just give us hearts that long to love you and to be with you to the point that we don't have to worry, Lord. We know that you're there and we can trust you. So we pray those things in your faithful name. Amen. Open your Bibles with me to the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 17. Exodus 17, what's interesting about this section of material is in many ways the insinuated question, God, are you here? Exodus 17 is for most of us, if you've read your Bibles recently and probably in this time of the year, if you're reading through your Bible chronologically, or excuse me, not chronologically, but in the order, in a direct order through Genesis on to the Revelation, uh, you've come through this section already. And it's an interesting thought that is given to us through the pen, the quill of of Moses as he writes here. And let's look at this chapter together. It says in chapter 17, verse 1, Then all the congregation of the sons of Israel 
journeyed by stages from the wilderness of Zen according to the command of the Lord and camped at Rephidim. And there was no water for the people to drink. And therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water and they grumbled against Moses and said, why now have you brought us up from Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? And so Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what shall I do to this people? A little more, they're going to stone me. And then the Lord said to Moses, pass before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. And take in your hand your staff, which you struck the Nile, and go. And before, behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb. And you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He named the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. And so Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us and go out and fight against Amalek. And tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed, but Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other, and thus his hands were steady until the sun set. And so Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and named it, the Lord is my banner. And he said, the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war against Amalek from generation to generation. What's interesting about Exodus 17 is that it's actually the culmination of a three-chapter section. It really begins in chapter 15 and goes to 16 and 17. And all of these deal with God's provision when humanity is doubting God's presence. And Exodus 15 begins with a song. If you go back to Exodus 15 with me for just a minute, you can kind of see the, the breakdowns. And if your Bible probably, you'll notice that there are these little divisions and verses really one through uh, really all the way down to the about verse 21, there is this great song that is written. And the, the reason for this song is that it is a, a declared, it's a declaration of praise to God for what he has done. And what has God done? Well, he has just rescued them from Pharaoh and crossing the Red Sea. And they're writing this song as a tribute of God's visible presence and power. Then you'll find in Exodus 15, after that, you come to verses 22 through 27, and you find here again, because of this being before the event, there's a need for water. And they come to this place in Mara, and Mara is descriptive of the fact that the water is bitter. And so God then leads them to this place where the water is bitter. Look at verse 24. He says, so the people grumbled at Moses saying, what shall we drink? Grumbling. It's that word that is meant to describe how it sounds, grumbling. And who are they grumbling against? Moses. 
the poor guy who was just as much in the same condition as all the other people. And what did Moses do? He cries out to the Lord, and what did God do? He gave a solution. The water was made drinkable. And then notice the last part of verse 25 of chapter 15, where he says, there he had, there he made for them a statute and a regulation, and there he tested them. And what was that statute and what is that regulation? He says it in verse 26. If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. And then verse 27, God moves them away from this region into the, a region called Elam, a place called Elam, in verse 27, where there's plenty of water. And then chapter 16. If you go into chapter 16 and verse 1, it says, And they set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Zin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after the departure from the land of Egypt tells us that they have now entered into a wilderness experience. And it's also interesting that he tells us exactly when this is taking place, the 15th day of the second month. And if you know your Jewish calendar, you know this is Passover territory now. And the constant reminder of what they have left behind. Egypt is in the rearview mirror. It is also a, a precursor to what lay ahead in the mountain of Sinai or Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And it's like God is now taking them from Elam, great abundance, great water, great satisfaction and all that could be measured there in the abundance, but their journey isn't done. They've got a wilderness to grow through. And in this wilderness is where you find them in facing all of this testing and all of this difficulty. And what's interesting about chapter 16 then is that this is where God then takes this very perfect group of people who have learned all of their lessons and he moves them right along. Isn't that right? Because you'll notice in chapter 16 and verse 2, the whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And now, what are they complaining about? The issue is not water, it's food. And oh, the drama. Look at chapter 16 and verse 3. Look at what he says here. He says, the sons of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate the bread to the full, for you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Does this sound like your teenager? Sometimes it sounds like mine. Again, the grumbling. You've brought us out into the wilderness just to kill us. If God would have just killed us, we would have at least been eating by the flesh pots, by the meat pots in Egypt. That'd be so much better. You were slaves. And so the circumstances produce a reaction. We're never guilty of that, are we, church? All of us go into all of our circumstances and we never grumble or complain about where we are in life, do we? And I think that's the, the disservice we do to this group of people is we treat them as somewhat different than us and how we would respond to all these because we're just so much more spiritual, so much better. 
They're human beings. And these aren't necessarily, you know, insignificant things, water and food. Don't you think that that's, I mean, that's just kind of basic, right? But again, the grumbling is against Moses. And now we find out that they're not just sticking with Moses. Now they're bringing Aaron into this. But it's not really about Moses and Aaron. Who is it really that they're grumbling against? God. Look at chapter 16 and verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether or not they will walk in my instruction. God brings people manna. And it's an interesting thought that is said in chapter 16 and verse 8, where he says, Moses said, this will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the morning and the evening, and the, the bread to the full in the morning, for the Lord hears your grumblings, which you grumble against him. And what are we? Your grumblings are not against us, but against the Lord. But what I need to, to focus on is that's an interesting phrase that Moses uses there. The Lord hears your grumblings. It's a very similar idea to the phrase way back in the earlier part of Exodus where God sends a guy on the backside of a desert by getting his attention at a burning bush. Oh yeah, it's the same guy. It's Moses. And he tells him, Moses, it is this understanding that I have heard the people's groanings. And I need you to go and we're going to rescue our people. God sends the meat by sending quails among them. And the rest of chapter 16 is about God instructing the people on the, the collection of the manna. And there is another command, another statute that is laid out for them that they are to only gather what they need. No matter what they gather, there will always be enough that those who gather much it will never amount to any more than necessary. And those who gather little will have exactly what is necessary for their day. He gives them instruction about the observance of the Sabbath and that they are not to go out and collect anything on the Sabbath, that you're supposed to on the sixth day collect double the portion that you would normally need and God will make sure that it stays in their sustenance enough for the next day. And he gives them this command. He gives them these orders. There are these statutes that they are to follow. And again, it's testing their resolve to trust in the Lord, to let him be their God and that him be the object of their worship. And then we come to chapter 17. And again, water is the issue. Have you ever asked what made the 10 plagues different from these situations where the people needed water and needed food? The severity of the idolatry and the hardness of heart and the Egyptian lives. And, and did you ever realize that those plagues were specifically designed to target each and every god, the significant gods of the Egyptians? And what is also interesting is that this generation that God is dealing with in this pre-Sinai experience are people that have grown up for over 300, nearly 400 years inside of an idolatrous-based system of worship. 
And even though they somehow tried to retain the one true God's identity, they had begun to amalgamate and become convinced that maybe these other gods had some measure of influence upon their lives. And so God used those plagues to target the identity and the functionality of every single one of those gods. So what is God doing when he brings them to a place where there is no water? That when their hearts grumble to the point of where there is a lack and sufficiency of even their food, every time we see what God does is he is trying to test the people's understanding of, have you now come to grips with the God that has the power to bring you through a Red Sea is a God that is also capable of providing your most basic need. In chapter 17, the people are not grumbling, at least. It's worse, they're quarreling. It's an interesting way then, he says it in this aspect of verse two, the people quarreled with Moses. Give us water that we may drink. And again, Moses asked, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? The word for quarreling, the word choice that It's noticing a change that's not very subtle. We're not talking about a group of people just struggling to overcome the lack of resources. The word for quarreling is one of open hostility. It's actually got behind it a legal meaning that there is a charge that's being leveled against another. The people were about to mutiny and they were about to exercise capital punishment by stoning Moses. As one writer put it, Israel's murmuring expresses not only need this time, but also rebellion. Things were getting heated. Heaven, we have a problem. And the issue is that it's not really against the humans in the story. It's about a question of whether God is among them or not. The doubt of purpose and direction a fear of being left destitute, an unsureness about the vision, the direction that we're being led down, the movement of discontentment to outrage. And all of this is because God has led them to where they are. He was the one who had set the pillar of fire by night and the cloud, a pillar of cloud by day to lead them. And this reminds me of what Christ would later say as he addressed those that were listening to him speak in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 19 through 21, where it says, do not store up for yourself treasures in heaven or on treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Later on in that same chapter in verse 25, he says, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And then you skip down to verses 31 through 33. Do not worry then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all of these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But instead, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. 
In another passage later in our Bibles, Paul will pick up on this same story as he wrote to the Corinthians. We referenced this a couple of weeks ago, but remind ourselves of 1 Corinthians 10, 3 through and following here. It says, and all ate of the spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them and the rock was Christ. And nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased for they were laid low in the wilderness. Later in verses 10 through 12 of that same passage, he says, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example and they were written for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come and therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. So what can we take away from these scripture passages? Let me give you three things. First of all, it's this, that vision is corrupted by pride. Where are we going, Moses? It seems like every time we go out, we're stepping out into a new territory, we find ourselves without water, and now without food, and here we are again in another place, and we're without water again. What's going on, Moses? In all of that, we could say that, yes, it's understood, but every time that they had found themselves in a predicament, every time they found themselves in need, what had God done? And that was the point. What had God done? But in their pride, they had thought themselves to be the master of their fate. And here's the thing, that when I am the master of my fate and your fate and my life collide, there's typically then conflict. You see, my idolatry, my fear, my doubt of God's best leads me away from confidence and into judgment of God and even those who he has ordained to lead me as he sees best. So don't let your vision of life be of your own design. Let it be the one that God has ordained. Quit letting your pride stand in the way of God's best. That this is about me. That life is about me. No, life is about the glory of God. And God was bringing this people into a place where he was ready to demonstrate his power, his provision, his protection. He was there to reveal himself as the person that they needed, the God that was the only hope of their existence. Let me ask you, what's going on in your vision for your life? And the conflict that you're seeming to find yourself inside of Is it like Proverbs 13, 10, that only by pride comes the contention, the insolence, the strife? And maybe the pride in your heart is similar to what God had to do against the Egyptians, but also against these these Hebrew believers who were struggling to see God for who he really is. Second of all, doubt is produced by discontentment. See, doubt creeps in and it causes us to speculate God's word, to twist it, and sometimes in any way try to conform it or to excuse us. If I am discontent with the will of God and the process that God has used to get me where he wants me, then doubt leads to some very poor decisions in my life. Did you notice how much God instructs after each of these altercations? Go back again to chapter 15 and verse 26. 
15.26, and it says, there he made the statue and the regulation. This is when they have come out of this Red Sea experience. Now they're at Mara, the water is bitter. And he says in verse 26, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, do what is right, and so forth. And he instructs them. But I love the last part of verse 26 where he says, I, the Lord, am your healer. Waldemar Jansen wrote, he says, a lifestyle informed by God's will is a healed lifestyle. Think about that for a minute. When I live my life according to the world, I usually find the bruises, the beatings up, the scars. But when I follow my life's existence according to the tenets of his word, the integrity of God's consciousness written down for my benefit, I find that my soul is healed. And there's health in that place. Later on in chapter 16 again, look at verses 6 and 7. So Moses and Aaron said to all the sons at evening, you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord for he hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what are we that you are grumbling against us? Jansen again, he wrote regarding that. He says, on the basis of God's word just received, Moses and Aaron can assure the people that God will address the deeper need behind Israel's grumbling, the need to be assured that God is the one who brought them out of Egypt and that God is still with them. How many of you can say this morning without a shadow of a doubt, I know that Jesus Christ is my Savior. If I died right now, I'd go to heaven. Declare that, all right? And yet how many times as my hand went up with you, do I live in such a way where I doubt the integrity of God's intentions? And I can choose then to go in a path in a direction that runs counter to what I know God and his word has declared. This is the best. I don't know. Let me try it a different way. As God could bring us out of our Egypt experience, out of the bondage of our soul, which is often used as a later depiction as he talks about that even inside of the New Testament, how we are redeemed, we're taken out of captivity. Those that were captive are released, we're free, and we enjoy the freedom and the power of God, and yet we harbor the same mindset, the same idolatrous bent. We still long to prove whether or not God is everything. God is still present in our existence. God is still there. Don't doubt his intentions. And just because where you are now is difficult, don't begin to doubt the goodness of the God who brought you where you are. If you're trying to figure out life apart from God and his word, then you will consistently end up doubting your life and your choices. It's very interesting when you take what James would write In his book in the New Testament, you read that first chapter and James speaks of the trials and the testings. He talks about them as a very fine line from moving from a trial experience of being tested by God to then a temptation to deny what God is trying to do. And the very next part of that chapter is that he warns the readers to be doers of the word and not just hearers. It's the same thing that you see modeled even in our Old Testament. That God would bring them through an experience and then he would write to them and he would give them something of his word to hold on to so they could understand this is what God is trying to do. Trust God and trust his word. Do not doubt because that brings about discontentment in our heart. Third, conflict from within is not as bad as, excuse me, conflict from without is not as bad as conflict from within. 
When Pharaoh and the Amalekites attacked, food and water were not the most important things on the daily agenda list. The grumblings that bring such frustration to leadership that God has appointed caused more distraction to the purposes of God. The battle facing them from without comes upon them suddenly. And they were not as prepared as they could have been if they had been united. And through both of these situations, God proved that not even the external battles were won by human power or human strategies. It's hard to cross through a Red Sea if that's what man could have created. And even against the Amalekites, it was God who consistently gave the victory. God is the true source of victory in your life. He is the provider that truly satisfies. And Satan knows that if he can get the body of Christ fighting internally, the world is not receiving the gospel then. And you can see that modeled very quickly in Acts chapters 2 through 5. Guard your grumbles. Do not become quarrelsome and start to build some legal case against God and the place that he has brought you to. God is there. That's where he is. God has not abandoned. God is at work even if it seems like he's gone silent. God, are you here? And in this place where you're at, in that moment of desperation, in that moment of uncertainty, in that place, do you not imagine that God knows exactly where you are and that in that place he can ex- we can experience a Romans 8.28 that we know that God is working all of these things out for his glory. And by the way, it's for our good. Can I trust him? What are you going through? What are we as a church going through? It's very tempting to begin to become quarrelsome over these things and even in sometimes grumble a little bit. And we get into our little groups and our little huddles and we want to point the finger at the very people who are standing right with you in the same circumstances you're in. Because ultimately, it's not them that brought us here. It's God. So why don't you grumble against him and see how that works out for you? God is here. His cloud, his fire, but for us in the New Testament, his spirit indwells us who are his. And so we can trust him. Take him at his word. Follow his word. It should be the loudest voice in the room. And let it be what guides us to see him here. Let's stand together for a word of prayer. Father, I pray as we make ready to close that you will guard our hearts and our intentions. That, Lord, you'll lead us by your word and by your truth. Father, I pray that our hearts would sense fully and know fully the presence and the reality of your word at work in our lives. And so, Lord, when there is a question, we go to your word. We don't go to our pride. We don't go to our desires. We shape our understanding of ourselves. We shape the things of our design and our desires according to the strong integrity of your word.
And so, Lord, let us be a people that are truly called by your name, that though we may come into places of wilderness existence, or we know that you've not abandoned, there is something that you're doing. And in those times where it just feels like you're not there, we still are reminded you've delivered us from our Egypt experience. You've saved us. And though we may not like where we are, we may not always understand fully the greater lessons that could be learned, Lord, day by day, we're seeing you at work. And so, Lord, we pray that you'll mold us into your image. Fashion us according to your likeness. Create in us a heart that loves you supremely. And so, Lord, let us turn that energy away from the grumbling, away from the griping, Lord, turning into a voice that truly is gracious and generous and kind and that we demonstrate the power of the gospel at work in our lives. Lord, I pray for that heart that's here, that's overwhelmed. Life has brought them into the most deep and dark place I've ever been in. God, I pray that you would silence the doubt, that you would silence the fear, that, Lord, you would bring them to a place of understanding that you have brought them here for a reason. That is to long for and behold the greatness of a God that can carry us through the darkest of nights. Lord, I pray that you would encourage that heart that is not in relationship with you. They don't even have a personal relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would help them to see that everything they've been living for and everything that's existing in their culture, in their world, is one that divides them and tears them apart, destroys them. But when you are brought into the story, you bring healing, you bring restoration, and most importantly, you bring redemption. You purchase us from what enslaves us, and you bring us to freedom. And so, Lord, I pray for that soul that is here this morning. God, you know our condition and you know our place. And Lord, we're grateful that you are not silent. Your word speaks. And so, Lord, we listen. Lord, I pray for the heart that needs time. I pray that as they prepare even right now, Lord, I pray that in these quiet moments as we sing this last song, Lord, as they search their hearts, that, Lord, you instill in them a confidence in what it is that you are doing. We praise you, we thank you, and in Christ's name, amen. Sing with me. Our God is a consuming fire, a burning holy flame with glory and freedom. judge ruling over us with kindness and wisdom and we will keep our eyes on you we will keep our eyes on you a mighty fortress is our God a sacred refuge is your Shake a
dismissing and uh, but just a few things here quickly as we make ready to depart uh, a couple of things to make you aware of in your bulletin I don't know if you brought, picked up one on your way in uh, but uh, in your bulletin there you'll notice there's that green section right in the middle there for the last several weeks there's a question that's been posed and you can use that QR code to also go to those two bulletins prior but it's asking the question about really what is your vision for the future ministries of grace and you can use this bulletin or you can go online and write that we would love to hear from you uh, if you choose to use the bulletin and write some things in there uh, you can take these and put these, you don't necessarily, it's a, it's a, it can be anonymous, it doesn't have to be your name, or, or again, if you're like, hey, you know what, I, I want to stand by what I've said here, uh, you can take that and put it in, there's an offering basket that we have these receptacles here and in the foyer, uh, you can drop that in and we'll collect those, and we'd like to just gather some things, if you want to do the online, you can follow that code and you can do it online, and uh, it's a way for you to take a moment, just think through, if you were to see the vision of grace, where is it? that you see us and where we're going or, or what are some ideas and just to hear from you. It's just a way for us to interact and to think about where we are as a church and to hear from you a little bit. So just something there for you uh, to use and to interact with us in the office and for me personally uh, to hear from you about this. Uh, and that's beyond just the building. That's really thinking about, okay, where are we headed? What is Grace doing? And uh, we're excited or we have some things that we're concerned about or you know, we're just wondering, does grace care about these things? And so think about that. 
A couple other things that uh, make sure that you're aware of. Uh, you'll notice information about this, but Grand Prix, this is related to our Awana ministry that we have here on Sunday evenings. And uh, just a couple things for the kids here. Awana is one of those that we do each uh, Sunday night, and they're looking forward to the, uh, the Awana Grand Prix. Uh, these little pine blocks that you shave into and make into these little derby cars, you know, goes down the track. And uh, it's a great experience, a lot of fun for the kids. Dads, you know, it's a lot of work, all right? And, but yeah, we have men that volunteer, and if you're saying, boy, I would love to, I'm just, I don't have the tools, or I just don't have the time to put into this, we have men that, that's their passion. They love that, and uh, they do pretty well at these things, so we can get you connected, uh, but make sure that you're aware of that. If you need to pick up a car, they're $5 for each kid, and uh, you can get those at the check-in station down in the hallway there, and uh, there is an easy way to pay for those online if you don't have the five bucks with you today, uh, but be sure to pick one of those up. The second option we have uh, the trip that's going to Alaska. If you have questions about that, you can talk to Steve. But the other option that we have for our young people is summer camp. And uh, we want you to be aware that uh, this year our church is willing to take a group during the week of July 22nd to the 27th. There are two groups uh, between ages four through six. You can be going into seventh and stay in that group or seventh through 12th. And that means then going into seventh grade or graduating from high school in that year. And so July 22nd, through the 27th. If you register before February 1st, it is $30 off. You only have to put in a $50 registration in order to lock your spot. Uh, then the rest of that will be due the day of camp and when we get there. But uh, if you would like more information, I will be standing in the foyer back there for just a brief time uh, because I need to get ready for the baptism that will be coming up. And so plan on that. If you would like to know more, there is information online. That information is also in the bulletin as well. Annual business meeting coming up tonight. And uh, you'll see names of officers that are being nominated. Uh, we're excited about a time together. If you would have your food here just a little bit, it before five o'clock so that we can get it onto the serving tables. It's a chili supper. We have people that are bringing chili. We're asking those of you that are not bringing chili to bring sandwiches or chips or what. There's a bunch of things that's listed in the bulletin. You can check that out, all right? Uh, but plan to be here. We're going to plan to start eating at five o'clock and uh, make this a good time together, a fellowship, a ministry time as well, updating, looking back over 23, but really in taking that and establishing where it is that we're going in 2024. A lot of neat things to share with you and some updates to give. There will be child care. And uh, so if you're interested in coming, especially for our members, we strongly encourage you to be here. And uh, if you have a favorite game for your kids or something like that, they can bring that if you don't mind them doing so. Now, in just a little bit, we're going to dismiss and we're going to be coming back in here around 1045 uh, for the baptism. And so those of you that are getting baptized, we encourage you to go ahead and make ready for that and uh, make to, uh, get your way back here pretty quickly. Otherwise, the rest of you can enjoy the fellowship that is coming and uh, enjoy the time back there in the fellowship hall, but just recognize it's going to be quite a bit shorter and then to come back in here at 1045. All right. Other than that, read the rest of the bulletin. We are dismissed. All right. God bless you.